With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. I'm on location in Moundsville, West Virginia, and I'm excited to welcome the winner of America's Got Talent, sixth season, Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. Thanks for stopping by. I'm excited to watch you perform tonight. Uh, it's uh, got to be just an unbelievable experience to perform in front of you. Absolutely. I'm sure, you absolutely. So take us back specifically to when you really got interested in this. I couldn't even tell you that. I just, I think I was born in Really? You know, my grandfather was a preacher, so I was always in church. Always heard the gospel songs, and my dad had a band. And, I mean, it's always surrounded by that Motown sound. And, you know, it was just something that was always in my life. Really? Interesting. Yeah. So were you a trained singer? Did he, when you were in the choir and stuff, did you get trained as a singer at all? I never sung in the choir. Never sung in the choir? No, I just... No! Uh, my thing with church was... I go to church to be, just become one with, you know, God okay. and Jesus and all of that. But it's just, I just think all the rest of it is a distraction. So, but meaning like when you were there, you sung. You sung with everybody else? I mean, yeah, you had to sing This Little Light of Mine. Or... Did you know you had any singing talent? Like when, that's where I'm kind of trying to draw to this point where you said, you, and I, I was watching some of the story and different things, but like you're not a trained singer at all. Right? No, no, no. Not at all. No. I'm, I'm basically, uh, I was wanting to be a dancer. Okay. So I started off like dancing and just playing sports. But um, music was like big in my life. So when I played basketball, I had my headphones on. I listened to okay. Jackson or even Marvin Gaye. Or so you played high school basketball? basketball? Yeah. Uh, what, what town did you grow up in, West Virginia? I grew up in Logan, West Virginia. Logan, okay. Until I was 12 years old. Okay. And then I moved to Detroit, Michigan. Okay, so you played yeah. basketball in Detroit. Yeah. So you must have been a pretty good baller. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, any guy can play high school basketball in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. That's a ball in place, I right? I mean, I've seen Chris Weber and Rashawn Leonard and all those guys who made it to the league. I watched them come up. Here. Did you get to play against them ever yeah, yeah. on the streets and stuff like that? Yeah, pick up games. And uh, his, his, actually, his coach used to take us out to the Country Day High School and let us play pickup games with them on Sundays after church. So it was cool. Were they good guys? Yeah, all good guys. Chris Weber, I think, was the the one who taught me how to give back. Oh. I mean, uh, a lot of us want to be successful. Right. But Chris was like one of those kids that came out of the hood, went to a nice high school, mm -hmm. made it to college, and then went on to the NBA. But he never forgot where he came from. He used to come actually back to my neighborhood, pick me up and a couple of my other friends. Oh, really? Yeah, and we would go into the projects and he would hand out like school supplies, backpacks, school coats. I mean, winter coats and everything. That's, that's just what he did. 
So when you grew up in Detroit, so you went from West Virginia, Logan, West Virginia to Detroit, yeah. what was the better place you were living wise? In Logan or was it a little harder in Detroit? Oh, it's definitely harder in Detroit. Logan is an easy life, you know, and that's why I came back home. I just, mm -hmm. um, it's relaxing. I don't have to look over my shoulder. When you're in a place like Detroit, I mean, you can't go in the store without worrying about being shot. You know, and, and that's not, I'm not saying that to, you know, talk bad about Detroit, but that's just how it is. I mean, I've been mm. carjacked in Detroit. I've been Ugh. shot at. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of gangs and violence and all that stuff. I mean, I watched Detroit crumble from 85 up to like, we'll say 97. I watched it crumble right in front of my eyes and it oh, just got man. worse and worse. Because of the cars? Yeah, all of it. I mean, we had crazy corrupted mayors and. It was all kind of stuff, man. It was just, it was weird. I mean, I've never been to a high school with a police station in it until I got to Detroit. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had, like, the whole lean on me thing where we changed yeah, the doors. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was like our high school in Detroit. My school had chains on the doors, yeah. And that was just to keep the drug dealers out. I mean, they wasn't trying to, like, hurt us in any way. They were trying to help us. And that was, that's, that's, that was their way of keeping the drug dealers out. But, you know, the fire marshal and all them don't really like that you can't chain the doors so in high school did you ever get involved in any music you say you were listening while playing basketball sports was the thing but did you ever you know sing for your friends in high school or anything or yeah, more rap or I, kind of take us to what date was you would you graduate from high school how old i never graduated yeah, never graduated but what about what year were you in high school so uh, we can kind of look at the Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> that's so long ago. Well, because, I mean, I remember you were 35 years old when you won America's Got Talent. Yeah. And it's seven years. So, from about seven years since you won, right? Yeah. So, six. Four, six. Okay. Four, you're 41? I'm 42. 42. I'm 43. So, we're, so probably in 90, 89. The time you played against those guys were my favorite players. I was a basketball player as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the game. Yeah, I was, I was supposed to graduate in 90. Ninety-two. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. So why did you drop out? I got a job. Okay. I mean, school to me, and I don't say this for like any other right. little kids out here. I just, I felt like it was wasting my time because the things that they were teaching me is stuff that is not even real today. And that's too bad. See, that's sometimes it happens. As I'm an educator, and my wife who's uh, behind the camera as an educator, we just understand that really we are not looking to individualize education for people so that that's what they're gonna do. They don't, we don't look at their passions, what they right. are so focused on, because we're so focused on doing well on a test exactly. or teaching a specific thing. So you had to, it made no sense for you to finish high school if you needed to get a job to survive in Detroit. Right. Exactly, and that's basically what I did. You know, I got a job that was paying me good money I was making more than my teacher. Oh my! It's like it's like what am I doing here? You know, and, and and it goes back to that thing like it's like school teaches what they think you should know. Yeah, they don't teach you what you should know. They don't look at the real world atmosphere exactly. and what what, what it's going to be. Right. That, so was that when you were washing cars the job you got, or was that? Oh no, no no! I worked at a good job. I had a steel company job for okay. wood swipes and galvanized. Okay. I was making probably $25 an hour. Okay. At the time. That was good money then. Like, yeah. really good money. Then you know what you would have done just to go to college and still yeah, make less. work at McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was just like, I was like, I'm making more than my teacher. I mean, exactly. 
Okay, but, so you know, I, I regret that to this day because there's so many more things that I could do with my life, and, and I'm getting ready to like go back to school and do all of that stuff. So it's great, you know. But uh, it's never too late. Yeah, I just encourage everybody just try to stuff tough it out. Go in and go through the whole system of what they're trying to put you through, and get that piece of paper. Exactly. You know, and that's basically what it is. But once you get out of there, you got to learn how to apply your common sense. Exactly. To survive in this world, and and that's something that school doesn't teach you. So you had a good job, but I'm sure what happened that it closed, right? You got laid off. Well, I got laid off, yeah, but that didn't discourage me. I had to go get another job. I mean, I just always had the skills enough to talk to a boss and make him hire me. Oh, that's good. And man, that, that's something that school never taught me. So at a certain point in time, you discovered your voice. Yeah. So you went through those struggles, you said, so you go from job to job at times and you were hitting rock bottom at certain times. Yeah. When did you discover this voice? I, that, that's, I can't uh, really hear that I story. discovered this voice just playing with my friends on the playground. You know, we played basketball, but when you're in Detroit and you're playing basketball, you can't really embarrass the thug. Right. You know, because he'll go get a gun and shoot up the playground. Right. Or you can't argue with a foul call with him. Right. You know, so I just learned how to use my common sense again, being very witty. Mm -hmm. So if I embarrassed him or dunked on him, instead of trash talking him like, oh, it was in your face, I would just dunk on him and go, why me to the moon? Are you kidding me? And he would crack up. He would laugh so hard that he didn't think about beating me up, or he didn't think about shooting up that be playground, which could have hurt one of the little innocent oh, kids playing wow. over on the merry-go-round. You know, so I basically saved a lot of kids' lives by just, you know, using my my gift that God right. actually gave me. You know, and, and it was just not. I always cheer for the underdog. I right. never. You know, when that one kid was over there that didn't nobody want to pick, I would pick him. Exactly. Because I knew exactly what I could use him for. Like, he might not be the, the best defender right. or block a shot, but I guarantee you, if, if they ignore him long enough, and I can give him enough confidence yeah. to shoot that shot out of the corner, exactly. he's going to make it, you know, at least two times right. out of five. So, you got that voice, you said, by playing around the playground, but... I think of the story, how did you figure out that you had that voice? Was it, you were, you're a good impersonator. You yeah. probably started out with impersonations first, right? Not just uh, singing yeah, impersonations. I, mean, I started doing like the whole Michael Jackson thing. I mean, I had right. socks and my brother would make the gloves for me. And, you know, I would go to my high school dances and win the dance contests like every year. And But, you know, like, like I said, I grew up in a Motown house. Yeah. You know, so... It was all kind of music around me. I also grew, grew up on John Cougar Mellencamp, oh, wow. Brian Adams, okay. Cindy Lauper. Can you sing Brian Adams? <laughs> Give me a bar of Brian no, Adams. No, no, Come on. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but I grew up on that. I grew up on, you know. The uh, summer of yeah. <laughs> Summer of 59. There you go. So, so you were the kind of person you had the headphones and you they could hear you down the street. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't notice that they could hear me until I turned around and they're standing there like, you know. And then it was just like, hey man, you really got a good voice. Then my sister, my oldest sister Pamela, she encouraged me. She would tell me I always make it. But most of like most of my friends and other close people around me just just told me that I couldn't sing, you know. And it was just like, I just kept doing it. I didn't actually do it for competition my biggest fear is competition like I don't I don't like you know making somebody feel less of a man than me yeah so like even if you can sing real good and I can sing good and we go out to this competition and I win the whole competition right you know what does that do to you 
Yeah. So then, so, so you really think of others. Yeah, exactly. So even that's why when you sing on America Got Talent, I didn't do the big song and dance like, oh yeah, I won. I couldn't do that because I just beat some kids. Right. Understand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I just beat somebody with a dream and a goal just like me. Right. So my thing is just to encourage you to keep going and don't think that this is just the end of the road right, right here. It's, there's a whole lot more things out for you to do. And in this, and even in the music industry or whatever your, your, your goals are, your dreams are. So your dream and goal, never to try to be a professional singer. That was not when you're working in Detroit and doing that. You never said, I want to be a professional no, singer. I was going to the NBA. But you're going to the NBA. Okay. Yeah. So after you didn't go to the NBA and you're not, not a professional singer, Give us this kind of timeline. How many years were you working to finally you started performing some? Because you performed some before America's Got Talent, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been working probably since I was 16. Okay. You know, shoe stores to right. construction, uh, dealerships, you know, all type of things. Uh, steel mills. Right. But um, I didn't... Uh, when I, when I moved back from Detroit to West Virginia, which was in 99. Okay, so you're back in West Virginia, okay. Yeah, but before I left Detroit, I started going to clubs. You know, and I would go in there and grab the open mic nights and sing for people. What but, kind of song? The Sinatra stuff yet or not? I was doing a lot of R&B. I was doing, you know, Boys to Men, um, New Edition. Oh, cool. Uh, Bill Bib DeVoe. Did you end up getting to meet these guys after make winning? Yeah, did yeah, you got to meet them? Yeah. That's uh, kind of cool. I, I was singing like a whole lot of R&B. And then, while I was working at Chrysler, I would sing like any songs just to make my day go by. And my boss actually came in the back where I was working and just stood there and listened to me. And he was like, wow. I was singing like Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And it was just... My friends thought it was hilarious. So you were karaokeing before karaokeing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I started doing like going to bars and doing karaoke, I used yeah. to just do it for my friends. I used to just climb around. Okay. They thought it was hilarious to see me singing Frank Sinatra. I mean, how many non, not professional singers, I mean, you're a professional singer, but non-trained yeah. are out there yeah. that have the success. You just, as you said, it was the faith. Yeah. It's God saying, as someone like you, I'm going to give them the most success so you can give back. Yeah, yeah. And then and, and and teach people that you can do whatever you want to do. So okay, so let's just jump right back to we're getting a good background on you. Now let's talk about before America's Got Talent. So basically, who told you to go and try to audition America's Got God. Talent? God. God. And it was it was one of those things where you just feel like you have nothing else to lose. At that point in my life, um my marriage was breaking up. My wife was like doing her own thing. And so I moved out, moved in with my mom. And then someone robbed my house while I was gone, took all my clothes, furniture. And you're in Logan now, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Logan. They robbed my house up in Whitman Hall. They took all my furniture, all oh the cops robbed the walls. And I just, I just, I was mad. I was mad at the world. And my eyes just, filled up with tears, and I was just so mad. And I remember going in my mother-in-law's room and just sitting on the bed like, okay, what am I gonna do? What are you What are you trying to do to me? Right. Like, everything that I worked for was gone. And I right. had been working for Jack Whitaker before he laid me off before then mm -hmm. too, because I was making $33 mm -hmm. an hour. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? For West Virginia, that's good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I was making good money. And then once he got in all that trouble and got laid off, and he laid us all off, it was just, you know, I hit like back down. So I started doing like uh, shows for the weekend programs and vaudeville shows and Children's Home Society, okay. Logan Chamber of Commerce dinners. You know, I wasn't right. making no money. I was just doing it out of my kindness of my heart. For your performance. But it's like I said, the whole thing with my wife, you know, just... It crushed me, you know, and and I went in my room and I was just like, okay, God, what do you want from me? He was just like, all you need is a bigger stage. I've taken everything out of your life that has been stopping you this whole time. Wow. Including that woman. So, <laughs> explain to us, so did cool. some did AGT contact you? You so this is all you? Because I know they have people no, who are you, looking. You have to contact them. And I'm, I think I was blessed. And that's how I know this. It has nothing to do with me. This is God's hand, and He's moving mm -hmm. everything. It's because I grew up in a YouTube world, me and you both. Mm -hmm. And no one ever captured me singing funks or nothing. No. No one ever filmed me doing the things that I've done. No. That keeps my wow factor going. Right. So when I went on TV, everybody was like, what? Where did this guy come from? Just think if I'd have been on YouTube for that, five years. That you were worth nothing and you would yeah. not get the opportunity yeah. of the AG exactly. and you wouldn't have made your money because none of those people were making any money. Exactly. Or they make some, but not to the point where right. you can win a million dollars and, and, and get a, perform in Vegas right. and become a celebrity. Exactly. Meaning, so... God made that decision. No one ever filmed you, and so but YouTube. We're, YouTube's not really YouTube in 2010, like it is today. It started to be, but you, you know West Virginia, as you know Pittsburgh. We're behind the times. Right? Right. YouTube wasn't as, as everything. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about just even in Detroit when I was doing it then. I, there was nothing. No one filmed you. Everything. No it's mean, amazing. Like you talk about the Goldbergs and yeah. how that uh, Adam Goldberg, who the real Adam Goldberg, the creative ABCs of Goldbergs. What? He filmed his stuff since he was like 10, and you were never filmed singing. Just no, imagine that. No. None of the talent, nothing. It's, 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 no. it's shocking. Okay, so you contact them. Now tell me, you, you, make, you pick up the phone, they say how you can audition for America's Got Talent. No, so it didn't happen like that. It was, it was one of those situations where I was sitting in my room talking to God, and I asked him, you know, what are you going to do? And he's like, all you need is a bigger stage. And I was like, okay, how do I find that? And then, right at that moment, the TV in the room went to a commercial, and it was Howie Mandel. And he said, oh, are you the next one on America's Got Talent? Do you have what it takes and to get on your own show in Vegas? Are you our next million dollar prize winner? And I was just like, what? <laughs> and I got like this cold chill over me, like yeah. he just walked in the room and wrapped his arm yeah. around me, and it was just like, this was a present so it just God. made me cry even more, mm -hmm. and I sit there, and I was like, wow, this is not happening. This is really not happening. Right. And it was just like that voice in my head was just like, hey, you have nothing to lose. All you got to do is just make West Virginia proud. Right. And don't make a fool out of any state that's already been made fun of anyway. Right. Okay. And so it was just like, okay. I went in the other room, signed up online, and I waited. I waited for a confirmation email. Okay. For like six months. Oh, jeez. And then when that confirmation email came in, they told me to wait for a phone call. So I waited again for about, I'd say, three months. Wow. And then when they called, I was trying to work things out with my wife. And so I happened to be at her house, up at her mom's house, and they called that line. Right. And they called. She picked the phone up. And it was like, hi, this is... 
I think he said David Hasselhoff from America's Got Talent. We're looking for Wayne Dyer Jr. from Junior. She was like, yeah, right. Click. Oh, no. <laughs> Hung the phone up. Thank God they called back. Yeah. And they called back. She started screaming again, and I ran downstairs, and I grabbed the phone. And when yeah. I got the phone, they asked me, I had several different states that I could come in in two different ways that I could do my audition. I could either submit a video or I could come to several different states right. and do it live. Right. Me being who I am, I'd rather you see who I am personally, right. straight up, right. face to face. So I was like, I want to come to one of the states and see these guys. And they go, yeah. where you want to go? You can go to Texas, North Carolina, right. blah, 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 Boston. I was like, New York. There you so go. I already knew what I was going to do. I'm going to do Frank Sinatra. Yeah, it's a perfect the best place to do it in New York City. New York, Chicago, or Vegas. And, and you said New York. And so I went to New York, and I put all my money together, because they don't pay for anything for you to first get right. there. So I put all my car wash money and all that stuff together, and, and then I got on the plane. I got on the plane and went to New York. I got there probably about 5.48 in the morning, oh stood in line to about 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. And that's just getting in the building. Wow. Then once I got in the building, there was more lines. And I had this contract. It was like this thick that I had to like do and all that. But I had done that before I actually went. And AGT has no idea who you are. No, None. no idea. They don't know what I'm going to do or nothing. It's a cattle call, pretty yeah. much. So I didn't, I didn't even tell them. I didn't even tell them I was going to I just really wanted to stay with the way it was. Like, wow, mm -hmm. where did this guy come from? Right. So you're thinking, you know, strategy. Right. You know, and, and then you got to realize what makes television. Right. Genuine people make television. Right. You know, and anything else fake, it doesn't right. really last. So it's just like, if I'm just going to be myself and do exactly what I've been doing all these years for all these different charities and right. my community and all these things, I just think, you know, it'll take right. me somewhere. Whether I win a million dollars or not, I don't care. <laughs> no. You know, I didn't even really go there to win because remember what I said. Exactly. I competition. Yeah, so that's another thing. Okay, so you yeah. get on stage. Yeah. You got the judges. And the judges at that time were Just, Howie Mandel. No, before I even seen oh. them, I oh. seen the, the behind the scenes. Oh, so you don't tell me about those behind the scenes. Who are they? Yeah. Okay. See, so once I got in the building and all of that, you know, it was probably about a... I'm gonna say about 9.30 at night when I first auditioned. So you audition behind the scenes first before you get in front of the stage, yeah. in front of the judges. And what they do is they take all the acts mm -hmm. and they split them off into groups. Like if you're a singer with a guitar, you know, you're in a room with singers and guitars. Mm -hmm. If you're a singer with a group, you're gonna be in a group. Right. Room. If you're a solo right. artist like myself, you're gonna be in there with just singers. Right. Right. If you're a dangerous act, Falling sword uh, of fire, you're gonna be in the room. So then, yeah. so these are people just working for AGT that are not the stars. Right. Why should perform? Behind the scenes. So did you did you kind of set up yourself saying I don't want to do this show stopping one. I'm just gonna do enough to show. Hey, I should be on TV to get the audition. Oh uh, no, I had it like I was gonna make them notice me. Okay. I mean, and what they did is they put us in a room like this, and there was a bunch right. of chairs on the right. wall like that, and then they had like the judges back here at this table. Right. Two judges, and then they got like a take okay. X on okay. the floor, okay. carpet floor like this. Okay. You walk in and you sit there. Everybody sits there, and they call you up one by one. But see, I went to the end of the road because I thought they was gonna call me last. And they called you first. And they called me first. 
But I was the only one that listened and read my contract, I guess, because they said you had to bring a 90-second instrumental to the song that you're going to sing. Oh, wow. So I had my instrumental track, and they didn't have a recording uh, a player for me to play it. So they was like, oh, you brought your track. Okay, well, don't worry about it. We're going to go down here and get a, someone to uh, bring a, a radio up here so we can let you do it. Okay. Can we just go ahead and get the rest of the... Uh, the Go through the rest of the people. I was like, yeah, that's cool. So I sit there. But thank God I got to sit there. Right. Because I watched everybody perform. I watched everybody get up there. Are you kidding me? And sing a cappella for these judges and not make eye contact with them. Twisting their hair while they're singing. Rocking back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just watched them break down. I'm sitting there like, man, this is like the biggest competition of your life, and this is how you do it. Like, no, I didn't get on. Dude. Okay. And so then they got through with all of those people. And then they, they get the still radio. Have, they still haven't brought the radio in. So they're like, okay, Mr. Murphy, we don't know what we're going to do. We're just, we're still waiting on the radio. I was like, don't worry about it. I can do it a cappella. So I got up. Okay. I went out to the X and they said, okay, what are you going to do for us? And I was just like, uh, I sing all different type of genres of music, but right now uh -huh. I just want to. I'm gonna give y'all a taste of some of this Frank Sinatra, but I sang everything. And they was like, okay, go ahead. And I started singing, uh, I would sacrifice anything come one my for the sake of having near in spite of the warning voice. Comes in the night and repeats how it yells in my ear. Don't you know you fool? I started singing that song and they was just like, what? Now I look back and every contestant is over like this. And I'm on the middle of the floor and I'm snapping my fingers <laughs> and I got these judges just like melting. You know, but wow. nobody else got up and did it. And there so you go. they was just like, okay, everybody, uh, we'll call you. Um, if you get a call, you're on the show. If not, then thank you for coming out for the audition. You should okay. be expecting that call around May. Okay. Uh, April. And I was just like, wow. Not, you're waiting that time. Yeah. Oh, so, so this I not, did, you're not in front of New York City on no, the stage. No, I'm, this is November the 16th of 2010. Mm -hmm. And I'm waiting on them to call me in May to come back and actually do, I mean, April to come actually do the, the thing that you guys saw on TV. So most of us have seen the TV. I'm so glad we got the backstory because it's not enough time. We could talk for hours. Uh, so we go through the whole process. You win America's Got Talent. You blow America away with the great Sinatra singing and all these different things. What's happening with you right now? Six years later, what what are you what are you doing after you you, you headline in Vegas for a year, right? Yeah. yeah. After Vegas, what? Quick, quick. After short. Vegas, well, I went to Vegas and I was just like, I gotta hurry up and get out of here. <laughs> you know, cause okay. I can't deal with Vegas for no more than a week because I don't gamble. And right. Right. It's just it's just not my. Right. I love performing in Vegas, though. Don't get me yeah. But uh, anyway, after I got out of that, I just I just been touring. I went back to my home state, and, and you know I, I did all the same charity events that I've been doing mm -hmm. before I became famous. I just never lost sight of what touches my heart. So you tour all over the country. Yeah, I've been in China, Germany, all over the world, all over the United States. Wow. You know, and I just wrapped up my year last year with the Boston Pop Symphony Orchestra. Which is four that? shows that I've done with them now, and now we're working on a, probably a tour in 2018. Fantastic! And um, I'm just wrapped up my third album, 
My second album, the first album was on a Sony Columbia Records mm -hmm. titled That's Life. Mm -hmm. The second album was a self-titled album. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it was called Christmas Painful 2. I donated all the proceeds to the Children's Home Society of West Virginia. Mm -hmm. My third album is a self-titled album, Land Down. It's got two original songs plus the Great American Songbook and some Bruce Hornsby and all these other good genres that I love That's on cool. there. And right now I'm working on my fourth album. Awesome. And I'm still just touring around the world. It's been six years. Where's the best place we can find information on you for our, our viewers and listeners? Uh, you can go to my website. It's LandowMurphyJr.com. You can buy all your tickets and see where I'm going to be. Or you can find me on Facebook at LandowMurphyJr. And on Twitter at LandowEugeneJr. All right. Well, can't wait to watch you perform tonight. Thanks a lot. Your story is just amazing. And thanks again for taking the time to talk to me. Appreciate it. Appreciate okay. you. All right. Thanks. You're watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at TotalTutor, and NeilHaley.com. And this guy's story is just absolutely amazing. When I think about myself as an entrepreneur and what I want to attain in my life as an entrepreneur, his story from janitor to multi-millionaire. So I'm excited to welcome the program, Sean Conlon of CNBC's The Deed Chicago. Sean, thanks for calling. How are you? Hey, Neil. Good, thank you. And that was a very nice introduction. Very flattering. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, I, I just look at certain entrepreneurs and I just say, you know what? I want to surround myself with the right people. And that's one thing you see as well, is you want to surround others that are trying to do what you were able to do and have success with, right? Correct? And help others reach the success that you have. Well, yes. I mean, what's, what's great about the deed on CNBC, I, I get to teach people the things that, honestly, I wish I had somebody back in the day to tell me. I made lots of mistakes, but, you know, there's a great expression. Uh, you know, you do learn by experience, and uh, I learned an awful lot by experience. But there's another quote I use quite a lot, which is, there's very little to be learned from the second kick from the mule. Right. And... I probably got kicked about 20 times by the mule, so I would say I'm seasoned. <laughs> so being an Irish immigrant and then starting out as a janitor, what made you say you wanted more and to start uh, being involved in real estate? Well, so at first, you know, there's so much craziness going on in the world right now, but, but America is still considered to your average person around the world as a beacon of where you can be anything you want. And I grew up in a generation, you know, we grew up with Clint Eastwood and John Wayne and all that stuff. That was America. Um, and I truly thought if I got here, I could get a shot at the title, as they say. And I was indeed as true a janitor when I got here. And that serendipitously happened because we had cousins, distant cousins, come to find the route. So caveat emptor, be careful. You might find something like me. Yes, yes. Uh, the grandson, the grandson now works for me at my real estate merchant bank, so that's full circle. Um, but I saw real estate as the route that I could take to get to, you know, be a multimillionaire or whatever the term is, and not to discuss money. But similarly, part of the show here is aspirational and educational. Home flipping and real estate is still the quickest route for somebody like you or I, Neil. Well, you have your own show, so you don't need to, but... For, and I did some extraordinary things, and I'm an ordinary person, and real estate was the vehicle, and it still is for most people in this country. The odds of you and I being Mark Zuckerberg, 
you probably have a better chance of getting hit by a meteorite when you leave the building today. <laughs> so interesting, Sean. You're bringing a different perspective. I know it's hard work, but flipping houses uh, is an opportunity. I, I never said I wouldn't want to do it. I would probably want to have some the right people around me as I have other businesses myself, Sean, and say, okay, I'm going to be hands-on and finding the right experts to flip a home because there's so much. you got to be the the uh, the uh, person that's involved in the whole thing, but you got to surround yourself with the right people and flip it quickly. Right, Sean? It's not a, yeah, okay. I, Absolute, yeah. Absolutely. You know what, uh, Neil, time, time is always of the essence, and one of the biggest pitfalls you will see on the show is general contractors who unfortunately fall in two categories. They're either Bond villains or Disney villains. And invariably, that's who picks you off. If you can find a team of people that you can trust, that's worth its weight in gold. Um, again, I still am an advocate that the show will teach people the dangers and pitfalls. It's an unvarnished look at home flipping. I, I lend my own money. It's all That is all true. But it's not, you know, the, we're not really concerned about the color of the couch you put in the living room. And it's, it's not all pretty. It's kind of like life. There are ugly bits. Right. So that's what you're doing. You're offering people that started, like you, money. To, to do this, when, Sean, you were probably scraping every dollar together, right, <laughs> to do your first flip. Right, and I offer them money, but I think what I, I, I give them, what's more important is I walk in with my experience, and again, my experience has learned from me making the mistakes. I'm not pretending, Neil, I walked up here and knew what I was doing. I was an idiot a lot of the time. I did some incredibly stupid things, <laughs> but <laughs> they get the benefit of that wisdom, and I have to, of course, bite my lip sometimes because, I'm, you know, I've, I've been doing it. I'm 47, but I've been doing it for 25 years. So I'm somewhat of a cynic sometimes. But I do understand the fears that people have and how scary it can be. And, yes, I, I try to educate them through the process. And you'll watch the show. You'll see some wonderful success stories. And you'll see some things that you just, you know, you just can't help them. Interesting. And so and it's because they just have... And this is entrepreneurship in general. Regardless, any business owner, Sean, the problem is they're either going to listen to people that are successful or they're going to choose to ignore them. And that's what you're going to see in this show. Here's money. Money doesn't mean it's the direction. It's the ideas, right? That's correct. And, you know, sometimes then you have to weigh up the advice you're getting because a 75-year-old man who's a billionaire living in Switzerland is going to have a much more cynical view of entrepreneurship than me at my stage or you, you know? Yes. So you weigh that up, too, because it's, it's easy to be wise and magnanimous when you're living, you know, in the palace on the hill. So I'm somewhere between there and the grit still. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I understand, and, and and it's interesting, but you're one of the first flippers that would say, you know, you said it's not easy, but it's an easy way to make money if you do it right, and I think that's why you chose to do this show. You said, I want to show people. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah. Done. Yeah, sorry, Neil, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's okay. Continue. What, what was your thought? Yeah, no, I, I see it honestly. Again, you know, most of us can't, you know, design software, and most of us can't trade the high-frequency markets. But most of us could figure out how to go and redo a house with, a, with some homework and some savings 
And most of the great fortunes in the world, Neil, still, are based in real estate. It's true. And, mm-hmm. You know, I have a home out in Malibu, California, but I'm Chicago-based. I mean, Larry Ellison, I think, bought 35 homes in Malibu. So there's a person who made a crazy fortune. But, like, all those people realize that long-term wealth should be in real estate. Wow. And that's the thing. And this is the way America works, where people make more and more money. If you have a good income, you list people listening out here that have that have a good job, they're making really good money. This is perfect for you to just find the right people and make extra money so that you can become wealthy, not just be a job, become Absolutely. an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And look, yeah. I'm focusing on the flipping, but if you have a person who has a good income, and they can go out and buy two or four apartments a year or more, in 10 years' time or 15 years' time, that will be their retirement. You know, I've done some of that, and I have some beautiful apartment buildings in places like Palm Beach and that, and I make sure they're well run, and I put them away. And someday they will, you know, pay my bills. And it's a much better return than the market. <laughs> you're going to... anyone. You're never going... You're never, it's like a, a casino. You're never going to beat the market. If it's not rigged, it's schizophrenic. Real estate, you can control your destiny to some extent, particularly with a rental income property. Very. Again, I'm a big fan of real estate because it was my vehicle, but it's been the vehicle for most people I look around and, and admire long-term who have built wealth. Exactly. So you have those goals and dreams and aspirations, and you're going to give other people opportunities, so they need to tune in Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, to CNBC's The Deed Chicago, and check out Sean. Do you have social media people can follow you and stuff to, to learn more about you, Sean? And yes, yeah. yes. So, so, so I am. I'm, firstly, I have a, they can follow me on a, The Real Sean Conlon, which is on Instagram. And then I have a Twitter handle, which, of course, I should know. But there you go. I'm the real estate guy, right? Yes. <laughs> cool. And you have a, web, <laughs> so, you have a, you have a website, too? Real Sean Conlon. They'll find me. Real, real Sean Conlon. Are you on? Do you have a Twitter? I'm I mean, I mean. I'm NBC tomorrow night at 10. And it's all very exciting. I'm ringing the bell at the NASDAQ in the morning, which I wish my dad was alive. I always told him I would. All right. Well, congratulations, Sean. Thanks for coming on the show. And best of luck, okay? Thank you very much, Neil. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. See ya. All right. Later. Bye. You're listening to Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com, and I'm excited to welcome the program comedian Joe Coy. Joe, thanks for calling, and I know you're excited. Netflix live from Seattle. Uh, I haven't slept. You're, I haven't slept. Yeah, I'm sure. Tell us what, how it feels. I mean, is it? It's a huge deal for you, well, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm still pinching myself, man. They told me uh, March 28th was the release date, and uh, when they said that it, it, it premiered at 12:01 a.m., I, I stayed up last night and watched it. I, and I normally don't watch my specials, man, but. This one, uh, this one uh, had a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears in it, you know. So uh, uh, when it finally came true, I was like, I have to watch it. I got to make sure it's definitely on Netflix, even though they said it's going to be on uh, 
And uh, it was it was a good thing last night. Well, when you think about this, Joe, and 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 think about the whole thing about um, Netflix and just how unbelievable this platform is, and how many people stream it all the time. Yeah, you've been on specials, other stations. You've been on TV, other places. What? Why is this so special? It's your own comedy special that it does people just spend their time uh, checking out Netflix for sure, especially yes. yeah. yeah. And it's at any time, at any at their disposal. That's what I love the most. You know, when I was on the other two, when I had my first two specials, it was like, you know, I get a phone call and go, all right, you got this date, and that's the day it's going to play. And and literally, you, you know, you you, you banked on what 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 type of numbers would happen or how many people would actually watch it, and uh, and you had that one day to actually enjoy that moment. But Netflix, it it sits on that library shelf uh, for the rest of its life, and and. And they promote it as if it's something new every darn time. You know, they'll suggest it. They get it out there. They got, you know, they got basically the whole world on that on that platform, and and everyone's watching it. Everyone's got Netflix, man. And exactly, it, I'm just honored to be part of this. And not many people get these opportunities. The comedians, you're now part of a certain few that uh, comedians that had their own special, right? It's not like okay, any comedian down the the road could say, "Hey, I got a Netflix special." That doesn't work that way, does it? No, especially when you're talking about the platform. No, not at all, man. They're they're they are very tough and very choosy. I'll tell you that much. And uh, when I finally got that uh, call, that nod, that yes, which I'll tell you the exact date, man. It was the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, when they when they called me, uh, literally, I was in tears, man. I was like, "Yes, this is it, man!" Like I I, I waited for this moment, and uh, and it's finally here. So, you know, I couldn't sleep last night. I, I've been up the whole time, oh, man. Okay. Thinking about it. All right, live from Seattle. Is that where you're from? Is that why it was live from Seattle? The special. Uh, man, I'm from Tacoma, Washington, and that's that's where stand-up comedy. Uh, that's where I was introduced. You know, as far as like. Listening to the, you know the the prior tapes and watching the yep. you know Eddie Murphy Delirious and Robin Williams live at the Met and uh, Whoopi Goldberg around the world and I can keep going on Kinnison, uh God everybody all those guys inspired me uh, Cosby himself all of those guys inspired me to do stand up and uh, and uh, yeah that's where it all happened man me sitting in those rooms. You know, my bedroom, my mom's room, the living room, and just vegging out on stand-up comedy 24-7 and just dreaming about being a comic. So I had to go back to my hometown and shoot that special. Well, it's, it sounds like you had to. And and uh, and it, what a, what an opportunity, uh, for sure. Now, tell us the style of comedy you have. I was reading a little bit about your bio, a family style of comedy, meaning not for family, but meaning talking about family. What would you kind of say your comedic oh, style is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, indirectly, you know, when I when I was a kid, I was always attracted to the comics that talked about kids. I, I think that was just my natural instinct. Like, it, it, you know, I related to it more. I loved hearing about parenting. I loved hearing about what what other kids were doing, and it just made me laugh harder. So, indirectly, you know, when I started doing stand up, I just started floating that way. I started going towards that. That style, uh, you know, I enjoyed telling the stories about me when I was a kid. I enjoyed talking about my mom. I enjoyed talking about my son. So it was just kind of like indirectly 
that was the style that uh, that I adapted to, and and I enjoy it. I love it. And how does your family feel about you talking about them all the time on your on your uh, show? Oh, they they better not complain. You know, what I mean? <laughs> my mom enjoys it. She you know she's got uh you know a lot of fans that that you know she she uh. She she enjoys the attention for sure, and then of course you you know you know the gifts that I, I give her she enjoys that as well. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Now you know every comedian the next step, uh, and I, I you're gonna put you on the spot. You know the next step, and and, and, and you know yeah. I, I was reading up. You know you've done some of the VH1 stuff, and meaning the VH1 the kind of uh, you know commentary type of thing. Do are we going to see you? I know you have a podcast as well. Are we going to see you on acting soon? Are you going to get an opportunity? Or is that the next so, thing on your bucket list? You think? I think that's uh, everyone. Every comic's dream is to have that that one show that actually showcases his stand-up. I mean, I've had so many pilots already, man. You know, it's uh, every year I get a pilot out here, and, and it never gets picked up, and that's fine as long as I'm getting noticed out here. That's that, you know, I'm in. Obviously, I'm going the right direction, but uh, yeah, that's my that's the dream. And 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 the cool thing about Netflix, uh, you know, it teaches you. This is what I learned is like you can sit there and wait all day for a, a for a network to give you a deal, or you can go out and produce it yourself and and go to like a Netflix and and they'll they'll support it and not only support it but blow it up. Yep, exactly. And uh, that's the route I went with my special, and I, I can go the same route with my my sitcom. I can go the same route with a movie. I can shoot it myself if I have to. So. It's a, it's a different ball game from back in the day where you actually had to wait for a pilot. Now you can actually shoot your own pilot and, and actually sh- go out there and put it out there. And Netflix is more than welcome to do, to help you with that. And they, they have such a huge audience, and I'm I'm so happy for you. And uh, I guarantee I have a feeling when you talk to people about a Netflix special after this happens, I'll be flipping the channel and I'll say, okay, Joe Coy, it's new show. And I'll be saying, hey, I interviewed him before that. But uh, great job, and uh, <laughs> and that's how it works. You know, it's, it's just like you never know. The six degrees of separation, if you're in Pittsburgh, we got to hang out sometime and uh, learn, talk family life oh, and for sure. for sure and everything but where's the best place we can find information on you and follow you everyone needs to go to netflix right now i don't care if you're at work go to netflix right now and and download the special or stream yes. it right now but where can we find information on you joe i love it man where can we find info on you is it j-o-k-o-y man spell it out j-o-k-o-y and and that's everything instagram twitter facebook and of course my netflix special just type it in and and uh, enjoy it, man. I did. I enjoyed doing it, and uh, and I enjoy watching it. And I'm not even exaggerating. I really did enjoy watching myself for the first time. Well, uh, all right. I'm I'm sure that's it's got to feel good. So get some sleep now. Okay, and then the phone will keep ringing. Oh, you're the best. Yeah, yeah get, get some I'll sleep. Pittsburgh, bro. All right, tell me. Reach out to me on Twitter, and then and uh, we'll get, we'll get we'll hook up. All right, sound good, Joe. Take care, man. See ya. Oh, that's for sure. I'll see you real soon. All right, see you. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to Neil thanks, Haley. Neil. Take care. You're welcome. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com. And uh, 
I love talking to this celebrity. And uh, he's involved in so many fun shows. So I'm excited to welcome the program. We all know him from Ghostbusters, APV, Grace and Frankie and Graves, Ernie Hudson. Ernie, how are you? And uh, you're staying so busy, aren't you? Yeah, it's been it's a wonderful time, and uh, yeah, I've been uh, very blessed to be busy and working and just having fun. All right, so tonight, uh, season three premieres Grace and Frankie on Netflix, and this is just so. I am uh, friends with Catherine Kramer. It's good friends with Lily Tomlin, and she's talked about how proud she is of this show, Grace and Frankie, and how it's broken barriers and how yeah. it's just really uh, people are really taking to it, aren't they, Ernie? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the audience is really um, diverse and broad, and young people love it, and older people love it. But it, you know, it deals with a part of our, you know, community that's uh, not um, uh, what I want to say shown much in the media. Um, you know, the senior citizens. But now, what we think of, we forget that life goes on. And these people are out there doing what we're all doing, and it's a great show to be a part of. And the writing, uh, Marikoff created uh, Friends uh, is a creator of this show, and the writing is extraordinary, and the, the people on it, uh, it's just a great show. Absolutely, and you uh, are, are a love interest of Frankie's, so that, that's that's got to be an interesting thing, working with Lily. Have you worked with Lily before this opportunity? No, I never, well, before the show, I never met her, and I never worked, I thought that I was a fan of hers. But, um, and so I was, I was, you know, I wasn't sure how that was going to go, but um, we just hit it off right away. I mean, I just, I just adore her. I think she's, she's funny and, but so down to earth. And I think that comes through in a character. And that's one of the things that make the show so special. Um, she's been nominated, I think, for an Emmy twice for the show. And um, yeah, she's just great. And, and, I saw the other night uh, at uh, the, uh, the premiere of the new season, and uh, I just I, I just admire the way she's able to just the way she carries herself, and 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 in addition to being an, an amazing talent, but um, I, I love working with her and being her love interest, um, and uh, you know I play a guy who's a farmer who. Uh, you know, not a real complicated guy, but just happens to love this woman, and it's nice to 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 be there in that space. Uh, so many characters. Yes. Are, Absolutely. So let's uh, go go uh, continue, uh, Ernie, with uh, the 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 whole process of this character. It's going to evolve, isn't it? With being relate uh, with this relationship of Frankie, we don't know what to expect in season three, right? And more and more, what ha- yeah, how no, how no, you gonna, yeah. we're not sure what to expect. You're not sure people as they get older sort of get set in their ways. So how do we make this work? But it's not like you're you know starting out and you want to you know get married and have kids or whatever. But how how does this you know how do we make it work? And it's fun finding out. Uh, but the relationship definitely heats up, and um, you know, we have all the needs that everybody else does. It's not like you reach a certain point and all that ends. So I think the point of the show is life goes on in a wonderful way. And uh, uh, I think when I was young, I thought when you got to be 50, you just, you know, sat down somewhere. And that was, you know, but life is not like that. And uh, the show kind of goes into it. What happens when people fall in love and how do they 
you know, how do you be sincere to who you are and yet bring in someone else into your space in a full-time way? So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful look at love. And see, and what's really interesting when you talk about that's a, a great point, Ernie, is that people, uh, loved ones die, loved ones separate, uh, and you got to move on. You can't just yeah. be alone. You can't just decide, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go my separate ways uh, and just wait till death's door hits me. I got to enjoy life still. You know, the ki- right. your, your kids go off yeah. onto their own and lives and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the things that that um, you know. I have a father-in-law now who's 96, and it's interesting to watch because I think. Uh, a lot of times people will try to get you to sort of now move out of the way uh, because they think, okay, you don't need, but you, you want to live your life. You want to, you know, have the right to make those choices. You want to, um, yeah, that hasn't, you know, gone anywhere. But I think younger people who are in a hurry, they, they want you to step aside now. And life isn't about stepping aside. It's about... You know, uh, it's not a forever thing, and while we're here, we want to be able to, um, you know, to make those choices. I met this person who I love, and I want to experience this, as opposed to, you know, uh, it's past your time, don't even think about it. And, you know, uh, whatever you manage to accumulate, uh, we're going to take it over now. So it's about, you know, it's as long as you're mentally capable, um, to make your own choices. Absolutely. And then also the other interesting thing is the show Graves on Epic. And uh, I I find this yeah. great because of the political end of it and everything. I saw some of the trailer, and it looks like a great show. It really does. It is a great show, yeah. And Nick Nolte, um, you know, obviously we've all aged, but he's at the top of his game as an actor. Uh, and he embodies this character. He was nominated for a Golden Globe for his performance in it. But it's a great, and considering everything that's going on in our political arena right now, uh, the show is uh, its uh, a wonderful look at a man who was president and now looking back on that part of his life and realizing that he made some not great choices for the wrong reason. And how do you make amends for that? How do you undo some of that stuff? And uh, how do you go out with some kind of integrity? Um, and uh, and it's funny seeing him sort of come to terms with this life that he's lived, you know, for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's interesting. He's learning. He's learning from his mistakes when he was president, and now he's trying to make amends and and ways. Yeah. And but he goes back to his old ways at exactly. times. Yeah, for sure. And uh, your character is a and thick. If we're, yeah. if we're, if we're yeah. blessed, ahead, if, we're, if we're blessed and fortunate, then we get a chance to maybe um, realize that maybe we didn't we didn't have it all together. And I think that's a real blessing. If you not, not everybody gets to that place. Absolutely, and you're a fix-it man. Kind of define your role in on this show. Graves. Well, I'm a guy who's committed to uh, the candidate and, um, you know, his legacy and what he's managed to do, and I, I helped him sort of, you know, when things kind of start to go the wrong way, I'm the guy who gets in and, and, and deals with all the players and makes sure that everybody stays on point. 
but now, and so I've been with this guy since before he was president. Um, his kids call me uncle. I know I'm very close to his family. Uh, the former first lady is now running for the Senate, and I'm involved in her. And so he's really kind of a Washington insider. The first season, um, the character was there, uh, but we didn't know a lot about him. I think the new season now we're going to see him sort of uh, pull the strings. And, um, you know, it, my job is to make all this stuff go away. But now we're at a point where he's no longer president, and now he's creating more stuff (laughs) um, than I can sort of um, put in place. Yeah, you're trying to control things, and it just doesn't happen for sure. And while you really— It doesn't happen. Two talented people working side-by-side, Lily— uh, Tomlin and also uh, Nick Nolte, and and then you talk about the cast, Jane Fonda, and oh my gosh, you're just you're really uh, g- continue to uh, do really well in your career. Different roles, Ghostbusters always well, is part of your uh, brand, but you're really uh, extending yourself in specific ways. And congrats! And the best place we can find information on you, Ernie, where can we follow you and find info on you? Where can we go? You're on. Uh, yeah, go um, on Twitter, Ernie underscore Hudson uh, dot com, and on Facebook, and, and my website is uh, Ernie um, Hudson Official. All right. Well, um, yeah. And yeah, I'd love to you know, hear from everybody. Thank Fan- you. Fantastic. It was a cool uh, touch and base. Good luck. And uh, again, season three of Grace and Frankie is available now for everyone. So take care. Good talking to you, Ernie. Great talking. See. You. Okay. Case, you too. Bye bye. You're listening to the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.